Galatians chapter 5. Moving right along, two chapters left. Verses 1 through 12. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. What is important is expressing is faith in expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for He is the one that called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. And I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. When Heather and the kids were in New York, I watched a pretty dumb movie on Netflix. It's a new one. It's called The Ice Road. Has anybody seen this one yet? All right. If you liked it, I'm sorry, but I thought it was kind of dumb. But that's okay. You can, you can like it if you want. But it has Liam Neeson in it, right, who is, who is like, 67 years old, and for some reason, he is the action star now of every movie, is Liam Neeson, who is almost 70, punching guys like, like 20 and 30 year olds in the face. I, I, don't, I don't get it, but okay. So anyway, here's the, here's the plot. After a remote diamond mine collapses in far northern Canada, a big rig ice road driver must lead an impossible rescue mission over a frozen ocean to save the trapped miners. Of course, Liam is that road, that trucker. He's an ice trucker. All right? And uh, it, I have a slide up of some of the dialogue, just to let you know. Okay, it says, oh, you can't read it very well. Um, so this is the two talking back and forth to each other before the mission starts. It says, but didn't old-timers in the 60s drive the lake into April, and then Liam says, yeah, and most of them died doing it. And then the other guy said, so, it's, it's really that dangerous? And then Liam Neeson says, yeah, it's that dangerous. So, so that's the kind of caliber of script we're working with here. 
but the whole the fact remains April crossing um, a body of water with a big rig is not a good idea, right? And people died. People used to die doing it. Anyways, there are three trucks. Liam's truck almost sinks like 57 times, right? I mean, it just, it just, it just you know, it's what you expect. But I think, I thought of that when I was thinking about this passage this morning. Because there is some imagery that comes to mind when it comes to our passage here. Scholar N.T. Wright compares it to a lake that freezes over four months to a depth of ten feet. People drive not only snowmobiles across it, but even cars and vans. It's exciting, and it's also quite convenient to be able to drive across the water to the village on the opposite shore. But there comes a time when suddenly the ice is not so firm. Wise drivers don't attempt the crossing anymore. The villagers leave an old car on the middle of the ice, and when that car sinks, they know, don't drive over the ice anymore. Pretty smart. Paul's point is this. Spring has come for the people of God. For over a thousand years, their fellowship with God has been established through the law. This was always essentially a winter regime, a time of waiting. There there are, so to speak, modes of travel which are appropriate during that winter season. Maybe a big rig. Maybe a car. When you're going over the ice. But if you become so keen on them and those modes of transportation and you don't want to abandon them in the spring, you're going to sink. You're going to be stuck at the water's edge or maybe you'll even risk trying to get across and the ice will no longer hold your weight. That is what Paul is talking about here in Galatians. Stop obeying the law. Live by grace. Live by Jesus. Paul's opponents, the false teachers we have been talking about, were insisting that everyone cross the lake by car. They had developed all kinds of rules uh, of the road for getting across, and the chief thing for those starting the journey into the Jewish covenant community was for the males to get circumcised. This was like starting the engine of the car. It was a sign that they had committed themselves to making it across the water. But Paul's whole point is that the route is no longer available. Spring has come. The ice has melted. There's a new way over the lake. And this spring is good. God's new age has broken into the world. And winter will never come again. The Messiah has established a fleet of boats that will take anyone across. As All they have to do is leave their old cars behind. On the shore. This morning, that is the point I want us to walk away with, if nothing else. Is verse 6. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. Here's what's really important. Ready? What is important? You like it? It just tells you what's important. What is important is... Faith expressing itself in love. So what does Jesus plus nothing look like for us? Just that. It looks just like that. When we place our faith in Jesus, what becomes important 
is all of us expressing our faith in love. That's what's important. This morning we're just going to look at this herky-jerky passage. And we're going to try to figure out how to stand firm in freedom. If you look at Ephesians 4, 14, it says, Then we will no longer be immature ch- like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind or new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. What Paul's trying to get the church in Galatia to see is that, that they must learn to live in and to stand firm in their freedom. Much like what our, our nation celebrated just a couple weeks ago. Freedom is everything. It was something that came at great cost. Something that should be stood firm in and not given away so easily. Paul is trying to get the church in Galatia to learn to stand firm in freedom by two thoughts. The first one is by realizing what's at stake. We just got a tax credit. I mean, we got kids, so the government gave us money. And that's going to happen every month for all people with kids that under 16. Anyway, one of the arguments against the government giving people money is that when you, the government gives people money, what happens? Well, people become indebted to the government, and they rely on the government. Now, this isn't political. I'm not trying to be political, not, whatever. But I can see the argument, how that would make sense. I think what Paul is saying is much the same thing. Listen, verse 5. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. Folks, you are free. Truly free. You have been given the greatest gift ever given to the world. Jesus. Alpha, Omega, the Almighty One, the Beloved Son of God, Deliverer, the Good Shepherd, the Lamb of God, the Light of the World, the Messiah, the Mighty One, Redeeming Savior, the way, the truth, the life, the door, the word, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen? We have been given the greatest gift ever given to mankind. Ever. Don't go back to the ways of before. Live in freedom. Live in Jesus. In his book, um, Sick from Freedom, the historian Jim Downs talked about slaves. And he just said, you know, they, individual experiences of slave families who embraced their freedom from the brutal plantations on which they had been born or sold to in the South, many ended up in encampments called contraband camps. They were often near Union Army bases. However, conditions were unsanitary, food supplies were limited, and in many such camps, disease and hunger led to countless deaths. 
Often the only way to leave the camp of the, now these are freed people now, was to agree to go back to work on the very same plantation from which they had recently been saved from. And the reason why was obvious. The Civil War was over, southern slaves were free, but nobody had thought about, well, what next? What do we do now? So, to avoid starving, some of them, slaves, went back to being slaves. Listen, listen. Much in the same way, we have been given a freedom, a future, an inheritance, and we can't go back to slavery. Jesus has freed us. Don't go back. Verse 4, for if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. This is bad, church, really bad. What Paul is saying here is this. If we try to add something to besides Jesus, what's to, what, to what saves us? If we're trying to add something to Jesus plus something, right? And that's what we're trying to say here then we are cutting ourselves off from grace, from Jesus, altogether. Now, a, few, a few weeks ago, we looked at Exodus 34.6. It says, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassion and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So we talked about the word abounding in love. But the word gracious there is also where we get our biblical idea of grace. It's the Hebrew word, chen. And it's the idea of a necklace given to a bride from a groom. It's translated to a gift given with delight or favor. So if, if grace is a gift from God given with delight or favor, then how does the groom feel when his most valuable gift is viewed as, well, I earned it? Paul is saying here, that with God you have to choose. Are you going to receive his offer of salvation by grace through Jesus? Or are you going to try and earn it yourself through works? Here's a sticky point. If you try to earn it, you are cut off from grace altogether. Second point, real quick, sorry. Rejecting compromise. Paul doesn't mince words. He speaks very clearly of the danger that comes from people who teach what God doesn't. This teaching doesn't come from, from God, Paul says. He says, you were running a race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. And what Paul is saying is it's really dangerous. The ma- there are major problems with these people, these teachers. They're meddlers. They're not God's messengers. They contaminate the gospel. And they misrepresent Paul. But here's the deal. Paul then says, but they won't succeed. Verse 10, I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. 
But in the meantime, these people are causing all kinds of problems. There is a great danger in believing in what, not is true, what is not true about God and his gospel. A lot of difficulties in the Christian life come from not believing what's true about God and of his gospel. Paul is clear that we will continue to face false teachers. We have to take this very seriously. And one of the ways that we can stand firm in the faith is to reject anyone who tries to pull us away from the truth of the gospel. Don't ever let anyone lead you to look away from Christ and look at yourself. Don't buy into that trap. Don't give in to that temptation. Look at what Jesus has done. Jesus is our only hope for freedom. In the last days of the Civil War, the Confederate capital in Richmond, Virginia, fell to the Union Army. Abraham Lincoln insisted on visiting that city, and even though no one knew he was coming, slaves recognized him immediately, and they thronged around him. He had liberated them by the Emancipation Proclamation, and now Lincoln's army had set them free. According to Admiral David Porter, Lincoln spoke to the throng around him and said, My Poor friends, you are free. Free as air. You can cast off the name of slave and trample upon it. Liberty is now your birthright. In a similar way, Paul says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up in slavery to the law. Listen, folks, church, Bowen. Liberty is our birthright through Jesus. Let's hold on to him. Let's not get tied up again in slavery to the law because the law, the law can never truly ever save us, can never truly ever set us free. Only Jesus has the power to do that. This morning, the question this morning, church, is this. What will we choose today? The law, rules, regulations? Or will we choose the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ? Our entire future rests on your answer to that question.